that is the one of the best songs I think the Lord could have chosen for us as we prepare to hear from his word because it ties in so beautifully about his grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for that grace. Father, that amazing grace that was demonstrated upon Calvary when your son bled and died in our place. Father, I pray now that you would speak to our hearts and may we respond to your word as it brings us, Father, to a point of decision. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11, that's where we are going to begin. We are continuing our series, A Study in the Psalms. But before we go to a certain psalm, I want to look at 2 Samuel because 2 Samuel chapter 11 is the story behind the psalm we will be looking at. And this is a familiar story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's the story, of course, of David's great sin. A man after God's own heart. And I want you, if you would, to keep that it's the center of your mind as, during our study. He was a man after God's own heart. And yet, he sinned greatly. Look at this. Here's the account. Verse 1. Let's pick it up. We'll just read a few verses here. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. There's that word but which is key. In other words, where should David be? He should be, king goes forth with his, his uh, men to battle. The beginning of verse 1. At the time when kings go out to battle. But David, as king, did not go out with this battle. He decided to really take it easy and relax at home. And that got him in trouble. Verse 2, now when evening came, David rose from his bed, walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, this, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from uncleanness, she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Well, you know the rest of the story, that David's first sin was with his eyes. And as he looked, the first look is, is not sin. But it's the fact that he continued to look and desired and wanted. He coveted that woman. And that sin led to other sins, which, of course, one of them is setting up 
the murder of her husband Uriah by putting him on the front lines of battle. He sent a, a message out to Joab saying, put this man out in the front, f- front of the line where there's the fiercest fighting. And of course, he was killed. And so now David figured, good, I've got a widow. I can, I can take her as my wife. And uh, it all started with that one sin. But it, it continued. And then, of course, God finally, after David was covering in his sin, he had gone on and on and just kept it hidden, kept it covered, thought he was getting away with it. But then God sent his prophet, Nathan. And Nathan came to him with a message. And he told him, after he gave him a story about some man who took uh, one man's lowly sheep and stole it, kept it for himself when he had all these sheep for himself. And of course, he was referring to uh, David with many wives and Uriah with just one wife. And then, then Nathan asked David, David, so what do you think of this kind of a man that would steal the one sheep? And when he has all of this other flock, and he take the one from the one man. And, and he said, despicable, that man should die. And then, of course, Nathan said, David, thou art the man. Thou art the man. And it is at, it is at that point that David comes to, to the truth of his own wickedness in his heart, his own sin. And that is where we go then. We go to Psalm 51. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 51. Here is the Psalm of Penitence. It's called. At the top of the Psalm 51, you will see it written for the choir director. A Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this was a point. Where after Nathan confronted David, that David recognized his sin and he dealt with it. It was time for him to deal with it. And again, remember, here is a man after God's own heart. And when a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart is convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin, they will repent. If they are a man or woman after God's own heart. And this is exactly what happened to David. This psalm is a psalm of repentance here. Look with me now what David writes. Because he is broken by his sin. And he sees the consequences, of course, that come with his sin. Verses 1 and 2, Psalm 51. David writes, Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness." According to the greatness of thy compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. David here pleads with God to forgive him. Now, New American Standard Version here in verse 1 is translated... Be gracious to me according to thy loving kindness. If you have a King James Version, it has the word mercy. According to your mercy. Mercy is that divine attribute of God that has 
that where he bestows mercy and forgiveness upon someone who doesn't deserve it uh, and and gives it particularly to a sinner. And the loving kindness, this refers to God's faithful love to his children. God's faithful love. And David is asking here, Lord, blot out my sin. It's like a certificate. When you, back in the ancient days, if you had a, a, a certificate of debt that you owed, and you brought that to, to somebody, uh, and you had payment to make, you made that payment, they would blot out what you owed. They would blot out that certificate, and you would then be free from that debt. Of course, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ blotted out our sins on the cross. And so that you and I can come to the, to the cross and find forgiveness, and his mercy is great, and his grace, as we sung about this morning, his grace is what saves us. By grace you are saved through faith. And I love that song we sang earlier, his mercy is more. And David knew about the mercy of God, but he's pleading for God for this mercy. He's, he's pleading. He's standing before God, desperate for forgiveness. Desperate for forgiveness. You know, he, he finally looked in the mirror and he saw the truth of his own wicked heart. He looked inward, and God revealed to him what needed to be cleaned out. The heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And I have to ask myself constantly, how grieved do I get, Larry, over, over your sin, over my sin? Do I really grieve over the sin that I find in my life? You see, when we grieve for sin as David did, that tells us much about his heart. That is what a man after God's own heart or a woman after a man's own heart will do. He will recognize finally through the conviction of the Holy Spirit his sin. How sinful I am. Born in 1473, Nicholas Copernicus. I don't know if you heard that name. Maybe you did in your studies in science. But Copernicus was a great mathematician. And his studies and calculation revolutionized the thinking of mankind about the universe. So they still use his books today. But he was a believer. As he lay dying, a person placed a copy of the book, The Revolution of the Heavenly Body. He, they placed it in his hands, and this had just been published. This was one of his works. One, this was his brand new book. And he was holding it on his deathbed. But you see, he did not see himself as he was dying as this great scholar that everybody praised or astronomer, but he saw himself as a desperate sinner who needed 
grace, who needed a savior. And this is what he had put on his tombstone. And listen to these words. He wrote, I do not seek a kindness equal to that given to the Apostle Paul. Nor do I ask the grace granted to Peter, but that forgiveness which thou didst grant the robber on the cross. That earnestly I crave. He just craved the forgiveness of God. He felt so unworthy, this great mind, this great scientist, and yet as he was dying, he cast himself upon the mercy and grace of God, and he just, he just came to God as the thief on the cross did. Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. But let's look now at verses 3 through 5. David goes on, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, I have sinned. And done what is evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified when thou dost speak. And how did God speak? He spoke through Nathan. And blameless when thou dost judge. Isn't it something sometimes we would, if we come to the realization God has pointed it out to us of our sin, and many times we try and Cover it up, sugarcoat it, or even blame God. God, you're too harsh. Verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now there, that phrase, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He's not talking about sin that his mother committed, like adultery or something like that. But he's talking about the sin nature that he had when he was born. David understood the principle of the sin nature. And you and I, when we are saved, and we come to the cross, and we experience the grace of God, and he forgives us, and by faith we put our trust in the shed blood of Christ and his sacrifice for me, that that is my cleansing. That is where my forgiveness comes from. But I must realize that I still have the old nature after I'm saved. You know, some will teach, well, you've got to arrive at a place in your life where you reach sinless perfection. You'll come to a place in your life where, you know, you've arrived, and then you're, you're holy, and then God will accept you, and you'll be blessed. But the, the life of, of a Christian, the journey of a Christian is progressive sanctification. You've heard that phrase, sanctification. We are sanctified, which means set apart to God the moment we're saved. And once we're saved, I am positionally sanctified in Christ. Nothing can change that. I become a child of God. He set me apart into his family. But now that I'm a child of God, I still battle that old nature. I have a new nature through Christ, a new spirit, 
Old things pass away, all things become new, but I still have the struggle with that old nature of sin until I get to heaven. So then begins, after I'm saved, begins the, the, the state of progressive sanctification, where each day I seek to sanctify myself daily to the Lord, setting myself apart from sin that comes into my life and the temptation which so easily besets me. So I want you, us to understand, remember this, that David understood that he wasn't going to lose his salvation, but he understood that he was battling the sin nature, just like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 talked about his old sin nature and the battle that went on in him that he was struggling with good versus evil and wanting to do good yet he ended up doing doing wrong but here what does david say verse four look back at verse four against thee thee only have i sinned now did david sin against anybody else of course he sinned to uriah sinned to bathsheba her family, to the nation of Israel. But you see, David suddenly, his, his heart was focused upon the sin he committed, which is ultimately against God. And every sin I commit, I commit against my God, my Lord and Savior. And until I get to that point where I realize that that Lord, uh, I've sinned against you, and against the only. See, that's where it really, it really matters. My sin before the Lord. And David recognized it's between him and God. And so he pours out his heart. He pours out his heart. He acknowledges his sin. He, begun, he has begun to speak truth. Look at verse 6. Behold... Thou dost desire truth in the innermost being, or the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou wilt make me know wisdom. There's a key verse. You desire, Lord, truth in the innermost being. In other words, you desire truth in my heart. Let the truth be told let the truth be told concerning my condition as a christian that i when i sin i grieve the holy spirit and i grieve him and i must come to a point where i am truthful about what i have not taken care of with the sin that that i maybe i have not confessed i have not dealt with in my life and, and I've lost my joy. I've lost my joy in the Lord. And that's exactly what happened to David here. You know, and David is just trying to come to the Lord and saying, here I am. I am guilty. Basically, that's the truth being told. I am guilty of this sin. How many of you heard of the government's conscious fund? You ever hear of the Conscious Fund? I hadn't heard of this. But in a special office of the Treasury Department is located the government's 
conscience fund. Now get this. It represents a unique service that is used for voluntary contributions from people who have stolen from or defrauded the United States government, like in taxes. It all started back in 1811 when a New York man sent $5 to the government and said that he was suffering the most painful pangs of conscience. The biggest year of conscience settlement uh, and, and no one knows the reason, was what year? 1950, when $370,000 came in. What happened to the conscious today, huh? But the largest contribution was $14,000 from London in the late 19th century. But along with the money often came a note of explanation and an appeal for forgiveness. Appeal for forgiveness. And those who sent money to the U.S. government for the conscience fund understood the full depths of their wrongdoing. And over almost $6 million was given during the last 175 years. The conscience fund. You see, David basically is coming to God and he's saying, Lord, what can I do? You know, he, his conscience finally revealed the truth in his heart as the Holy Spirit convicted him and pointed the sin out to him. And David realized, Lord, I know what you desire. You desire for me to be truthful about myself and truthful to you concerning sin. I think it's so easy, isn't it, for us to not call sin, sin. Do we hear the word sin much spoken of at all or preached on? No, it's, it's kind of, you can't do that because it's politically incorrect almost. You know, we call it a mistake. You know, yeah, I made a mistake. But God calls it sin and he wants me to call it sin. And when I confess that sin, which David is doing, he's confessing his sin, that's basically calling my sin what God calls it. And saying, Lord, this is exactly what I've done against you. And he's asking for forgiveness. But David realizes something. That the wisdom to, to uh, turn from sin and to keep from sin is the word of God. Look at the rest of verse 6. And in the hidden part thou wilt make me know what? Wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The word of God. And then look at 7 through 9. He goes on and says, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Remember that song, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow? Well, see, back then, they, could make, they made garments. They could make garments so white that they looked whiter than snow. And so he's asking, Lord, wash me, my heart, and make it whiter than snow. Make me, verse 8, to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. And of course, he's talking about the spiritual bones. His spirit is broken. And he wants joy again. He wants the joy of his salvation to return. Verse 9, hide thy face 
from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. There he says again. Back in verse 7, he says, purify me with hyssop. What's hyssop? It's a plant that the, uh, that the priests would use in that day on, uh, to cleanse lepers. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 14. Let's go over to Leviticus 14. And see here in the law, Leviticus 14, verse 2. Well, actually, with the, with the leprosy here, uh, it's better to start. Let, let's start at verse 1. Leviticus 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper. Okay, so this is after he has seen God miraculously heal the leper. Verse 4. Then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it all together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. Here's, a, here's an Old Testament picture of the blood of Christ. As, as a, God cleansed a leopard, so he, he cleanses us from all our sin. For our sin, the, the best uh, type used in the Old Testament for sin is leprosy. Verse 7. He thou shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the bird go free over the open field. This is what David's talking about. He's bringing this back to mind. And now he's saying, Lord, I'm the guilty one. I'm the leper, so to speak. He's coming before God saying, I'm like a leper. Lord, I want you to wash me and with hyssop. Cleanse me and purify me. Purify my heart. So go back. I want you to see that. Go back with me to chapter 51, Psalm 51. And let's look at 10 through 15 together. Verse 10. He then writes, Create in me a what? A clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast heart. Or right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence. And do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 11. You see, there, some people would think, well, he's talking, David's thinking he could lose his salvation. That God could take his, away his spirit from him. But what we need to understand concerning this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the saints. 
the believers. He would come, empower them, strengthen them, give them grace, but then he would depart. But once Jesus died on the cross, was going to the cross, what did he tell his disciples? When I leave, after I leave, I'm going to send you another what? Comforter, who's just like me. And he will guide you into all truth. But that comforter is going to come. And when I send him, he is going to be in you. And he's going to be in you. And Jesus said, and he shall abide with you. And he shall abide in you. John 14. There's the key. The difference is, once Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, we were in the church age. Now the Holy Spirit had a different ministry, and that was a permanent ministry in your life and mine. So as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit permanently dwelling within me. He'll never leave me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's promised to be mine forever and yours. But see, back then, David knew that the Spirit could leave him. And, and then he would feel even more miserable. But the key is here in David, he's asking God, created me a clean heart. And I have to come to the place where I say, Lord, my heart needs cleaning. Lord, would you come in? I confess now my sin. I'm not going to hide it any longer, but I want to come clean before you. Let the truth be told. And that I might be truthful to God, be truthful to myself. And then there, notice he goes on there in verse 12. Restore to me what? The joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. How many times do you recall losing your joy because of sin that has entered your life where we've fallen short. I remember those occasions where I sinned and suddenly my fellowship is broken with the Lord. And I'm not as close to him as I was because sin separates us from God in the way of fellowship. And so I've got to deal with that. And I won't get my joy back in the Lord and for, for life until I become like David and I confess that sin before him. And only when I am like David and I ask for a clean heart, confess my sin, then can I teach others and point others to about their sin and, to, and their need to be cleansed. Look at verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted to thee. David says, my ministry... Uh, of, sh uh, 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 of preaching your word and teaching your word to sinners uh, can't be done unless I get clean first. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guilt guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing and thy righteousness. O Lord, my Lord, open my lips that I may Use my mouth to declare thy praise. For thou dost not delight in what? Sacrifice other I would give, otherwise I would give it. In other words, David's saying, 
you know, just going to church, I may have sin in my life, but it's unconfessed. But sacrificing by giving money to the, to, to the church or ministries or serving the Lord, God doesn't want that unless our hearts are clean. And David realizes that. God's not asking for him to do, make a sacrifice. He's saying, confess your sin, David. Uh, David, confess your sin. Thou art not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, what kind of sacrifice does God look for from us? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. By thy favor, do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou wilt delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on thine altar. But David says, God, I know what you want. A broken and contrite heart. And the only way that happens is if I'm truthful with him and I'm truthful with me. I'm going to do something that is out of the ordinary here as we conclude. But I want to show a song. that you May you listen to this song because this is a song that uh, had been blessing my heart, speaking to my heart while I was preparing for this message this morning. It's a song written by and sung by Matthew West. And I want you to listen. And if God is speaking to your heart, Christian, about unconfessed sin, be truthful today. Let your truth be told to him. And come, and he will cleanse you from all sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. He's talking to Christians. And forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There it is. And he will forgive you. And dear Christian, if you have confessed your sin, but you're still dealing and fighting with the guilt of your past and your sin. Your sin that has been confessed, it's forgiven, forgotten, forever. Forgiven, forgotten, forever. Remember that. Listen to this song. You're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you doing Smile and tell them never better Line number two Everybody's life is perfect except yours So keep your messes and your wounds And your secrets safe you leave behind closed doors
a sign on the door Says come as you are But I doubt it Cause if we live like that was true Every Sunday morning pew will be crowded From sin that you've confessed, let it go. Bring it to the altar and say, Lord, here it is. I've confessed it before, but I'm still carrying that guilt and the shame. Come like David and give that to him. If you're hurting today, you have a broken heart, you're dealing with trouble and pain in your life, bring it to the Lord. You're going through struggles. You've got bad news. Bring it to the Lord today. And receive his grace. And if there is sin, come and confess. And have him administer his grace to you. Let's pray together. As we close this morning. Dear Christian, would you let the truth be told in your own heart before God right now? Whatever it is, if there's sin that needs to be dealt with and confessed, would you do that now? Just bring it to God and, and be open and honest with yourself and with him. And he will forgive you. He will cleanse you from all that sin. Bring your burdens to him now. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept the Savior as your very own. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. 
He took your punishment so that you wouldn't have to go to hell, but you could have a place in heaven and have everlasting life. But you have to have your sins forgiven if you would but come to the cross and receive the Savior. He's waiting for you. Just come as you are. And he will forgive. And you will become a new creation in Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are God of grace and mercy. Father, forgive us our sins. And Father, may we seek to please you and take heed according to your word. Take our commitments this morning, Lord, and be glorified in them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we conclude our...